0: to Season 5 of the Devoted Dreamers Podcast. Welcome, Dreamer. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Merit Ansa, and this is the podcast where we talk about our God-shaped dreams, the ones we're pursuing, hoping to pursue, or waiting on God to reveal. I don't know you yet, but I hope to, and my hope with this podcast is to help you move from uncertainty to action so that your life might sing. That it might sing praises to god for your good and his glory because he made you for big things but the more i talk with women about their dreams the more i understand there's a battle within is it okay to be ambitious to dream to do something with our skills gifts and experiences if you're struggling with this don't listen to me go read god's word specifically ephesians 1. And let the God of the universe remind you that you were chosen for a purpose in order that you might live for the praise of his glory. Sure, you might feel some fear, anxiety, insecurity walking forward in your dream, but don't let those things stop you. We all feel them to some extent, and you cannot let those feelings or the voices that tell you you have no business dreaming this dream, you cannot let them win because you are a daughter of the King. And that's why we're having this conversation. I pray it's what you hear today in this episode. Thank you so much for joining in. As always, you'll find the show notes at meritonsa.com slash podcast. And please connect with me and the community of devoted dreamers in our Facebook group or over on Instagram at MeritJO. And now
1: here's today's episode.
0: The Devoted Dreamers and welcome back to the Devoted Dreamers podcast. This is episode 106 and I am here today with Holly Christine Hayes. She's an award-winning author and a world-renowned recovery ministry expert and she has founded an organization called Sanctuary Project and I'm super excited for her to tell you all about that. So I'm gonna um, go straight to Holly. Welcome Holly. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. It's really
0: exciting. And um, please just, will you start us off? Um, I mean, I'm sure you'll have to share a little bit of your story, but tell us about the dream that God has placed on your heart.
1: So in February of last year, in 2018, I started Sanctuary Project. And really, it was birthed out of a couple of things. Um, So we employ survivors of trafficking, violence, and addiction and uh, we help women transition into a new life. I had been working with survivors of trafficking, violence, and addiction since I came out of that life about 18 years ago. So as a survivor myself, I knew there was a gap in care that involved uh, employment mostly, that involved job training and employment and really helping women to, um, to find a new passion and, um, and a new identity and something that they actually enjoy doing. Um, one of the problems I found was that if you're coming out of a life like that, it's not easy to just go get a normal everyday desk job. Um, you know, you don't have the resume, you don't have the, um, sometimes you don't have the the job training or the education for jobs like that. And so I really felt called to creating a community where first of all, the girls can cry at work. And I make that very clear from day one. You're allowed to come as you are. And, um, and then really where they can, they can make beautiful things all day long. So we, make, uh, we have a jewelry line and we have a candle line. And, um, and the girls sit all day long and make beautiful jewelry pieces. And in the process, that ends up really building their self-esteem. And then they're building community with one another because they're in this safe place with other people who've been through what they've been through. And you do this in Austin, Texas? Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah. And we work with survivors who are all domestic survivors of sex trafficking. So um, so all of the girls have been trafficked right here in Central Texas. Um, I think a lot of times people think it's an over there problem. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Part of my story is that I didn't actually even realize I had been trafficked because, when I first learned about sex trafficking, it was um, sort of presented to me as this is something that's going on in Thailand and Cambodia and uh, you know, in all these uh, Asian countries and in Africa. And I, um, I thought it was an over there problem. And so what I'm really passionate about is educating people that this is not an over there problem. This is a here problem and it's a now problem. And uh, you know, it's, it's happening right here in our suburbs. It's happening right here in our cities. And, uh, and it's happening in all different socioeconomic groups. It's happening in, with all different races, and so, um, so I'm really passionate about helping women here in America and um, and working on solving this problem here in our own communities. I think it's great. I love that there are so many organizations doing it overseas, but I really felt called to do it, to do it right here with the girls who are being trafficked right here.
0: I have a million questions, um, but I think I want to move to. Like, will you educate us? Like you said, you didn't even know that you yeah. had been trafficked. So, help us um, put some um, words or pictures around this. How can we identify that this might be happening to people around us or in our communities? And um, and then, what can we do to yeah. help? Yeah,
1: that's a really good question. So. So I'll just share a little bit of my own story and what happened for me and what that looked like. And, um, and this could help maybe people uh, recognize it or, or, or see or be able to spot it in their own communities. So for me, what ended up happening was um, I, at about the age of 14, I got addicted to drugs and alcohol and my parents went through a really horrible divorce and, um, and I, that was coupled with just a lack of identity, a lack of community for me. And I ended up turning to drugs and alcohol for escape. And, uh, there was some sexual abuse in my very young childhood. So that combined with, um, with the drug and alcohol addiction to make for a a really promiscuous life. And, um, and I think what, when, you know, when I, when you're living that sort of life and for me, at least when I was living that sort of life, I thought my sexuality had no value. I thought I had no value. And so, you know, every day I would find myself drunk and going home with some stranger and, um, and, and really having, um, you know, countless uh, partners in that way. And, and, and then a man came along who told me that my sexuality had value. He told me that men would pay for me. And, uh, and he told me that he would help me arrange that and that he would take care of me and, and that he could protect me and, and arrange those men for me so I didn't have to, like, go out on the street and do it myself. And, and you know, in that situation, I thought he was my boyfriend. And I thought he was helping me out and I knew he kind of had other girls, but I thought like, Oh, but I'm his favorite. And you know, it was, it, at that point I think I was so lost and so confused and, um, and really just searching for anyone who would tell me I was valuable or tell me that I belonged somewhere or that they cared. And, and this man knew all of that. Um, you know, from the moment he met me, it felt like he, he just targeted me, you know? Um, and in those early conversations, he learned, oh, you don't have a relationship with your family. Oh, you, you like to drink, huh? Oh, yeah, you like, to, you like to do drugs, too, huh? And the more he got to know me, the more attractive I became to him because he saw I had that perfect combination of dependence on drugs and alcohol and low self-esteem and lack of relationships that it would be really easy to pull me into this life. And so, you know, when, when he offered this life to me, it really did feel like a step up from what I'd been living. And you know my story, the way that all played out was I kept getting drunk and high and not showing up for the jobs he lined up for me, so um, so he ended up kicking me out and and uh, I found myself homeless on the floor of a bathroom and um, and in February of two thousand one i was I was on the floor of this bathroom and just crying and watching my tears hit the floor and I said, "God help me and that very night, I met someone who got me into a recovery program and had been sober since that day. Um, and I, I got away from that man and, um, and I began to build a new life. And, and so that was all 18 years ago. And, um, and, and I've worked with other women coming out of that ever since. And I found that they all have that same story. Uh, you know, not, There's little variations, but most of the women we work with, it's this combination of, of violence and addiction and low self-esteem that led to a trafficker being able to manipulate them. And so for me, I didn't recognize it as trafficking because I thought that meant that I had to be stolen from, uh, you know, from my bedroom window at night and then chained to a bed in a brothel somewhere. I I didn't realize that the chains he kept me in were the chains of addiction and violence and that he kept my self-esteem low by continuing to bring other women around. And I didn't realize that the chains were um, just, they just looked different. Um, And so I think in America, it's important that we recognize that this problem is uh, just as rampant as it is in in third world countries. It's just going to look different. It's going to look like a girl with low self-esteem and a man telling her she has value and then keeping her on her drugs that she, you know, then becomes dependent on and then she needs him for the drugs. And, um, you know, and I think uh, anytime a man offers security, those women, uh, you know, we we easily get manipulated into that. Uh, no one had ever really offered me security like he did before, saying like I'll take care of you, I'll give you a place to live. And so that's a uh, that's often what it looks like here in America. And so I think really recognizing that they that a sex trafficking survivor may identify more as a violence survivor or an addiction survivor, um, and not even know they've been trafficked. Which was my story. I knew I had an, an addiction problem. And I knew I had a problem with a violent boyfriend, but I, I never would have known that it was sex trafficking. It took many years to realize that. So um, so that's why I made Sanctuary Project Survivors of Trafficking Violence and Addiction. So there are, there are a couple of girls even who come to us thinking it's just an addiction problem. And once we get talking about it, um, they're able to recognize as well that, that they've been trafficked too. Um, a lot of times they think it's their choice, you know, because it seems so... Um, it does seem like you've made the choice uh, but mm. but who's really making the choice right? right,
0: yeah, especially at, at you know a young age under yeah. the influence of whatever I mean, yeah. oh my gosh no well, one praise one God would choose that right <laughs> No one would choose that <laughs> yeah um, but praise God that what man meant for harm um, God has used to Thank bring God. himself glory and to bring other women um freedom and hope so um yeah i so i think i found you or sanctuary project somewhere on instagram and um oh i just love thank you for sharing your story we talked earlier um, for those of you listening <laughs> that i had never heard of holly christine hayes and i didn't know her story and so um it was just something about what i i think what i saw on social media that was like oh i need to talk to this woman because she's Aww helping to give other women hope. And I think I told you earlier my theme for this month of January is that you are a daughter of the king. And um oh, Which I so love
1: yeah. <laughs> I so love that. You know, I think when I came to Christ um and uh and and met Jesus and learned who He was and and realized that this is a God that would go around to a bathroom floor, picking a girl like me up and giving her a whole new life. Um, I remember learning or hearing for the first time that I would be adopted into the family of God, and I could cry even thinking about it right now because um, my own family was difficult and um, and there was abuse and there was um, and there was trauma and there were hard things that um, that I couldn't have even articulated I that I knew were wrong um, and uh, and and when I was adopted into the family of God I really actually felt like I had a family for the first time I felt like I had a good father for the first time I felt like I um, I, I actually felt my value I remember hearing for the first time that I was fearfully and wonderfully made and I like <laughs> I was at this middle school event at the, at the church that I started going to early in Christ and And they'd asked me to come volunteer at this middle school event and the middle school event was talking about how you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but this was the first time I'd really heard it or, or, or the first time it sunk in. And I remember one of my friends who was also there volunteering and ran up to him and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) even me. And it had never occurred to me before that God would actually have a plan for my life, that I wasn't an accident, that everything about me wasn't made wrong because that's what I had thought my whole life until, until meeting Jesus and until being adopted into the family of God, I had no idea. And so I like to remind people of that because there's so many people in the world who don't know God yet. And, and one of the main heartbreaks that they have in that you know, it's sad that they're not saved, it's sad that they're not going to heaven or or you know the, the other things that we that we get as followers of Christ. But one of the main things that I feel like they're missing and that, that breaks my heart for people who don't know God yet is that they don't know that they're daughters of the king. They don't know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. They don't know how precious they are, that they are adopted in the family of God. And and how beloved they are and so that's something that I love 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 to instill in the girls in, at sanctuary project is you know that they're adopted into this family but they're they're adopted into the family of God and the family of God is full of wild little misfits like all of us <laughs> <laughs> right I don't know why he adopted all of us <laughs> he should have chosen some good ones but he didn't.
0: <laughs> oh he's so kind and gracious he's so kind. to us he was like
1: I'll take that real real messy one over there Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) totally and so you said sanctuary project came about just basically
1: a year ago right yeah just about a year ago i had worked with an organization in thailand um, that that brought girls out of the brothels and made jewelry with them and so i had seen how this type of community could really help the girls transition and, uh, and I've always sort of had this frustration, like, why aren't they making really cute jewelry? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. this one that I was working with in Thailand, it was a lot of stuff that... You know, it just was not. It wasn't. It wasn't the things that people in you know, kind of mainstream society in America would want to buy. Um, it looked like compassion jewelry, and so I, the, the dream was kind of birthed in my heart in that moment. And I thought it was that I wanted to go to Asia or Africa and work with some of these organizations that were making jewelry, and uh, and just teach them what was on trend and and share with them what girls in America are wearing right now and want to buy and and make products more in line with, um, with the American mainstream and the fashion industry. And, um, and so that dream was birthed at that time, but I never imagined I would be doing it for myself. Um, that was something that, um, that the Lord called me into, uh, the, at the start of last this last year. And, um, and it's been a wild adventure. I feel so unqualified every day to be um, to be running a business. I'm, I'm a failed prostitute for goodness sake. I'm a high school dropout. I should not be running a company. (laughs) Mm. But sometimes he, he, he calls the the most unqualified of us, (sighs) and qualifies the called.
0: Yeah. So talk about that. Like what have been some of your greatest struggles and challenges and even just emotionally and mentally believing that you can do this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the challenges we've had is it's a good problem, but we actually grown quite quickly, which I didn't expect. Um, I kind of thought, oh, I'll launch this little thing and figure it out as I go. Um, but but pretty quickly, um, people liked what we were making and uh, and liked what we were doing, and uh, and and I, we, I started getting orders from all over the place and getting followers on Instagram, and you know, and all of a sudden, um, I, I was operating a. a business uh that was much larger than i had ever anticipated pretty quickly i mean in this this first year in business i mean we we just had kind of unprecedented favor on the business and uh, unprecedented growth and and got open doors that no man could open we got to be at silo this year and uh you know at magnolia and waco and um Mm. and it just you know big big opportunities pr wise for us that we just never imagined and And so it was an interesting learning curve. And it's funny, at first I I sort of took the favor personally and I was like patting myself on the back, like, thank you, God, for the favor on the business. And then I realized, oh, this is not personal. There's just a need that God sees needs to be fulfilled. And so, of course, there's going to be favor on it because there's a need to... Um, to be helping these girls, to be helping these women. And so once I realized it was not personal and that this was about stewarding something for God and um, and about helping as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, I've just kind of leaned into the chaos of it and leaned into my inadequacy in it. and and a couple of things have been great learning experiences. One, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so in every way I lean in and say, God, I am insufficient at this. um, It it feels like either he'll strengthen me to do it anyway, or he'll send help. And, um, you know, no one can do it all alone. And I, uh, I tried to for, (laughs) for the first several months. And um, and, uh, and God sent help pretty quickly and, and has brought an incredible team around me that really um, day in and day out makes this happen. And, and for me, it's just so fun to be kind of the creative lead of it all and to get to use my creative energy, um, but to, but to surround myself with people who are better at every aspect of, of running a business than I am. Uh, so that's always my goal is try to yeah. find people who are better at design than I am, who are better at sales than I am, who are better at office management than I am, who are better at accounting than I am. Um, you know, I want everyone on our team to be better than me, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, as you were talking, I'm like, wait, there are several components here that have, you know, there's the business side, there's yeah. the... Yeah. The connection with the women who are making the jewelry, like there's certainly some ministry in there with Mm -hmm. them, I'm sure. And it's like, uh, no one, Holly Christine Hayes, can do all of these things. It's true.
1: And I've had to figure out like, what is the thing I'm best at? Yeah. And just do that. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that was a journey, too, because there were things that I'm actually best at that I was trying to outsource for a while and then realized, wait, like, I'm actually the best person to be doing this, you know, whether mm-hmm. um, I'm a writer and love to write. And I was outsourcing some of the copywriting and stuff. And I was like, and then I found myself spending hours editing it. And I was like, why am I doing this? I'm a writer. Yeah. I'm probably the best person to be doing this <laughs> job. Um, And same thing with, you know, big picture vision and strategy. Anytime I've gotten any feedback from anyone else on that, I'm like, no, I'm going to go with my idea. (laughs) I think I, I think I'm better at leading the big picture of the vision that God's gifted me with than anybody could be, you know, and so, so really realizing like, okay, what are the things that I should be doing? What are the things I'm best at? And then and then what are the things that I really can find a team member to, um, to take over and then trusting them. Whew, mm-hmm. That's a big challenge. Um, trusting other people with what is essentially your baby when you've started a company. And, and yeah, and we do have a lot of components cause we have, you know, we have, a, we're an LLC for the product side of the business and then a nonprofit 501c3 on the care side. And then all the proceeds of the LLC go to the 501c3. So we're running wow. two businesses. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I'm running kind of my own personal ministry uh, on the side as well. So it's been a lot. It's been a really busy season.
0: Mm, my
1: goodness. And it's only been a year. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you
0: started <laughs> before you started, but yeah. Um, yeah. well, in that time, I'm sure there have been some things that haven't gone perfectly. Is there mm-hmm. a disappointment or a failure that you'd be willing to talk about?
1: Yeah. So because we work with girls who are Coming out of a really difficult life, and uh, and in so many ways have have become accustomed accustomed to that life. One of the biggest challenges we have is is keeping the girls from going back. Um, and we uh, very early on, one of my first three girls with Sanctuary Project ended up actually leaving us and going back to her pimp. Um, and that was one of the most heartbreaking. It still is one of the most heartbreaking. What feels like a failure you know, um, to have lost Hannah, um, to have, to, and I still, (laughs) I'm still in touch with her. And so, um, so I, uh, regularly, you know, see her, um, using drugs and, and, uh, and twerking on Instagram (laughs) and, um, and selling herself again. And, And she's bounced around from pimp to pimp since then. And she's in danger all the time. And I think the most heartbreaking thing about what we're doing is I can't control these girls. Like I can, I can point the way to Jesus. I can offer employment, but I can't save them. And, you know, the, the reality of that hits me every time I think of, of Hannah and, and at the same time, it's made, it's put this fire under me of like, I cannot fail another one. And um, part of the, the issue that happened with Hannah was uh, I, I employed three girls early on, but it was just kind of part-time work where we had um, jewelry for them to make. And so during busier seasons or when we had a wholesale order, I'd bring them in and then I wouldn't have work for them for a period of time. And I learned uh, that, and we finished a big wholesale order. And, um, and then I didn't have work for the girls for a period of time. And and that was when Hannah went back. Um, she didn't have money and just felt tempted and, and ended up going back to it. And so as heartbreaking and painful as it is, I learned in that, that we need to be able to provide consistent, stable employment for the girls. And, um, and so we made a shift in our business plan. And, um, and we said, we're going to employ the girls. They're here every Wednesday and Friday, regardless of whether there's work for them. Um, sometimes there's not. And we just, uh, we do job training stuff or we hang out and we spend time in community. And, um, and we do some kind of group, group counseling therapy sessions or devotional time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's painful. It's painful to, to feel like I've failed someone to feel like, um, like we set out on this mission to do this thing and we lost one along the way I'm still waiting for God to redeem it. Uh, one of her girlfriends that she was trafficked with now works for us. And so I know that's the beginning of God redeeming it, but we're still also believing that, that Hannah will be back with us, um, when she hits bottom and when she's ready to, to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's hard because you're dealing with real human lives and souls,
1: and yeah, yeah. And every day, I'm afraid. I'm like, oh, is she gonna, you know, is she gonna be killed? Is, is she gonna OD? You know, and it's just, oh, it's so hard. And and then you can't help but wonder, did I do everything I could have done? Did I say all the right things? And um, it's in those in those situations where you're dealing with just like the hardest parts of humanity. It's it can be really hard to trust God. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's easy for me to trust God when there's like, when it's like something I sort of understand, but when it's something like that, it's, um, it's really hard. It can be really hard.
0: Yeah. It's hard to wait for that redemption to come. And, and when you don't know it's going to happen on this side of heaven, it's like, Oh,
1: Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, on this side of heaven, and I always cling to, um, Psalm 27 says, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I cling to that scripture. I cling to it because um, that was my story. I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I believe that for every one of our girls, that they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so I pray that over Hannah right now. In Jesus' Mm -hmm. name, she will see the goodness of God in the land of the living.
0: Amen. Well, now that you've brought scripture into the conversation, thank you. Um, <laughs> is, I was going to ask, is there a verse that you kind of lean on in the day to day? And, and maybe that's it, or maybe there's another one, but, um, yeah. So,
1: that. um, so I, if- very early on when I started uh, sanctuary project, I asked the Lord what our verse would be. And he said that, um, um, and he gave me John fifteen five that he is the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And so, um, so we made the logo a branch and a lot of our jewelry has, has the branch woven into it. Um, but I found as true as that was in the very start of, of running sanctuary project, I found it grows truer every day that if I abide in him, we bear much fruit, and apart from him, we can do nothing. And um, you know, and I see, uh, I see us as a company, even as this little, you know, this tree with just growing branches on it. And every girl we bring in just, it's like another branch that we solder on. And, um, and, and we help to be that place where they can abide. And so it's been this beautiful picture for us, and mm-hmm. uh, and such a reminder of who we're doing this for, and um, and who sustains it, and who builds it, and who nurtures it, and that apart from him, we're all right back where we were—we're we're all on the floor of that bathroom, or, mm-hmm. um, in that in that dark place, um, making those dark decisions.
0: That's such a beautiful reminder, and like ah, uh, I. I want to be in that place of abiding every day, but it's mm. often a choice, right? It <laughs> like, is. It's to so put true. aside the day-to-day and be like, oh, Lord, I just need to be with you right now.
1: Yeah. And even to put aside our own strengths because mm-hmm. sometimes, um, you know, because we all have giftings and we all have strengths and and it's um, it's very tempting to operate in our strengths and to say, like, well, I know I can do this, so I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. I know I'm good at this, so I'm going to I'm going to do this. Um, and ultimately, God calls us to um, to just abide in Him, and then He decides what fruit we bear. Right. So, um, in the same way that we can't like just say, I'm going to make oranges, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, we don't get to decide. We just we water the plant and we abide mm-hmm. and in the vine. And, um, and then the fruit that comes out is, is his choice and we can't hang oranges on our arms and pretend to be an orange tree. Oh my gosh, um, yes. <laughs> we, we've just got to, um, keep ourselves watered and rooted. And, and then the fruit that, that gets born is the fruit that he intends for us. Mm.
0: Oh, and there's such a temptation to try to control that, but.
1: Oh, yeah. And to make yeah, the world think that we're an orange tree or, you know, like, <laughs> right. oh, look at all this. Look at my grapes. Aren't they lovely? <laughs> well, they would be lovely if you weren't a fig tree. Right.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's and when you look great. at
1: other people and we're like, why can't I bear figs like she does, you know, and. We, we compare our fruit to other people's fruit and really like God's created a garden in us and, and he intends for each of us to bear different fruit. He wants a big old fruit salad. <laughs> and so when we're looking at other people and the fruit they're bearing and the ministry that they're doing and, and what their family looks like or whatever it is, um, and we're comparing ourselves so that we actually miss out on the opportunity to be the best persimmon tree, you know, uh, or, or whatever it is God has called us to. And um, and I think that's something I've I've learned um, in in the last several years is just that my fruit is going to be a different fruit than the rest of the world, you know. Uh, and that's the way God designed us to um, to each bear that that unique fruit that He has for us. And uh, and He needs all the flavors and all the colors and all the sizes. And He needs all of it.
0: Yeah, and that's a really beautiful thing when you. Mm-hmm bear the fruit that God has prepared for you yeah. <laughs> to be. Well, I would love to have you share just um one piece of advice that you would give to the women who are listening and considering taking a next step toward their dream, but mm-hmm aren't quite sure what that step might be or, um, or how to do that.
1: So dreams are a funny thing. I love dreams. Um, I've had a lot of them over the years. Um, I've dreamed of things that I've never actually done. And then I've dreamed of things that I have done. Um, and I love dreaming. I love, I love daydreaming about even ways to grow the business or um, other things I might do. But what, I, what I've really learned in this year, this is the first time I've stepped into something um, huge, something um, something I, I really uh, have needed to give all of myself to. And what I learned this year is, um, is that dr- actually doing the dream has a cost. Mm. It, um, there's, there's incredibly hard work involved. And I think sometimes we, um, we sit around and dream and then we kind of put pressure on ourselves like, Oh, I've got to make this dream happen. Um, and, um, and we don't necessarily, and, and then it doesn't happen. Right. Maybe sometimes it, it doesn't come, it doesn't come about the way we want it to. Um, and we think that, that that's, um, a bad thing or or we'll beat ourselves up about it. Um, but I think sometimes we forget that, um, that the doing side of a dream is actually really incredibly taxing and, um, and actually takes all of ourselves. And so that transition between dream and do is, um, is harder for most people than, than we realize. Um, it's, it's, um, I, I see a lot of, I often am asked like, Oh, my dream is to start a nonprofit. And you know, I, I really how'd you do it? I really want to do it, and um, and then I'll look at at the circumstances of their life, and it's like, okay, well, you know, currently you're you're homeschooling your five children, or, you know, currently you're yeah. um you're in a, a full time career in this totally other area. Are you willing to count the cost and actually give up everything else for this dream? Um, and that's and and that's a it's a hard question. Um. And, and I wish it wasn't so like, I wish I could be more encouraging and be like, just do it. It's going to be great. (laughs) But the reality is there's, there is a cost and it's incredibly hard work and no one can do everything. So, so my encouragement or advice would be to really count the costs, really look at this. Like, is this just a dream? And is it something that, um, that you, uh, that you, that you're passionate about or that brings your heart to life? Um, and, and then if that's the case, sometimes there's a way to get, to jump on board with someone, what someone else is already doing and for your dream to, um, help nurture and foster what they're already doing. And so sometimes I think God puts dreams in people's hearts to build a nonprofit or something because they're meant to partner up and volunteer for a nonprofit. Um, but if you want to transition that dream from a dreaming thing to a doing thing, make sure that you can give all of yourself to it because, uh, there's really, you know, I think like there's a, there's, there's no, there's no part time accomplishing of big dreams. Like big dreams take big amounts of, of investment and, and big amounts of, of, um, momentum and energy and commitment to make happen. And, you know, and I, um, I often, I have a lot of friends who are mommies and uh, and they uh, they look at everything I'm doing right now and, um, and they feel uh, a sense of like longing, like, oh, I wish I could do everything you're doing. And it's like, well, not really. <laughs> like, you know, it's actually like, you know, do you, would you really want to be, you know, dropping your child off at daycare every day and going into an office and working every day from eight in the morning until seven at night and coming home exhausted from, you know, from building this thing. Like, um, I think, I think sometimes we glamorize or sort of, um, you know, we daydream about things and in our, in our minds, it would be so beautiful to, build a ministry and, and speak and help people. Um, but the reality of it might be a lot more taxing on your heart and your family than, than you realize. And, um, and so, so my, my encouragement, and I know this might not sound like encouragement, but my encouragement to a dreamer would be to really discern, is this a dream or is this something you're called to do? Um, and if it's something you're called to do, are you able to count the cost? Are you in a position where, um, where you have the help around you or you have the, um, the, uh, ability to, to really make it happen? Um, and I hope that, is that too discouraging? <laughs> and no, I, I mean, I... <laughs> I think
0: that is real talk because
1: <laughs> I'm, that's I'm not too discouraging. I just, I see it so often where, yeah. you know, people have these big dreams, but it's like, You know, look at the circumstances of your life, too, and figure out what portion of that can you make happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what came to mind for me. Like, in part, you're probably talking to me, but (laughs) (laughs) because I do, I have two small children and Mm -hmm. I've really been wrestling with like what part of this is, you know, that do I need to continue with or let go of? So that I can still be mommy. And also
1: what season are you in too? Because that doesn't mean you can't do things later. You know, I've been really blessed that um, I'm a newlywed and I haven't, we haven't had kids yet, but I know that's going to come at some point and then Mm -hmm. things are going to be different. Right. And so, um, but it's, it's a, what season are you in thing too? Because I also have a lot of girlfriends who have, um, children who are older now they're getting into their, like, you know, late elementary school, young middle school, teenagers even, and they have renewed energy to actually be doing some stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's like this, um, there's just, there's a season, there's just seasons of life, right? There's a season where, um, where our capacity grows and a season where our capacity shrinks and And, um, and we tend to want things out of season sometimes and, Mm -hmm. and really waiting on the Lord and asking the Lord like, okay, so this is a dream. Is it a now dream? Is it a later dream? Is it someone else's dream that I'm meant to partner with? Mm -hmm. And so it's all a big discernment process, um, but, but hopefully we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he's guiding and instructing and, and bringing us into relationships with the right people at the right times to help that.
0: Yeah. I think those are great questions to ask. So sometimes reality is hard to hear, but, <laughs> but now I do think that's very wise because, because the alternative is, oh my gosh, you get into something and you're like drowning. Yeah. And you're overwhelmed.
1: And, and I've yeah. seen that happen. And that's what I think I would caution my dreamer friends against is like, you know, um, it is no joke running a business and it's mm-hmm. no joke running a ministry. And you know, and we um, we have, or writing a book or something like that. And so, you know, we have these dreams and it's like, I have a girlfriend who's writing a book right now and asked me for some advice on it. And, um, and I told her, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Either your book is going to do really well, and you're going to be a lot busier than you want it to be, <laughs> or your book is not going to do really well, and you're going to be disappointed in yourself. Those are the two options, <laughs> and that's really, you know, it's, that's very realistic, um, and obviously, like, you know, if your book does do well, that's a wonderful achievement, and you feel great about that, and you can feel like you, um, like you got a wonderful message out into the world, but at the same time, then there's then there's going to be pressures that come along with that, um, that you need to be aware of and ready for, um, you know, people then are going to want to be in relationship with you and you're going to want to minister to those people that you reached through that book. And, and so I like to try to help my dreamer friends think through the whole process and what's the end goal and, and what are you doing it for? And do you have the capacity for that end goal? Um, and not just sort of the the idea that this dream is going to fulfill something in you um, or make you feel whole or complete because the reality is we are whole and complete if we do nothing for God ever. Um, Mm. We are beloved daughters of the king whether we ever accomplish anything on this planet, whether we ever build a big ministry or write a book or build a company or um, even have children whether we do any of those things we are beloved daughters of God. We are precious in his sight. We are enough. Um, he will look at us at the end of our life and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think we have to remember that because it's so easy in this world of, of achievement and um, in, in America, especially with this kind of capitalist go get mentality to be like, well, I have to do something. I've got to build this thing or be this thing. And, um, and we don't have to do a thing to be completely yeah. beloved and completely adopted and heirs to, to the throne of a king. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to remember.
0: It is a good thing to remember, no matter what.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, well, what um, I always ask, like books, podcasts, resources, anything that you turn to that's been helpful to you in this uh, process of following your dream
1: yeah, so the thing that's been helpful for me is to read nothing but the Bible. <laughs> and I know that's silly. I always want to like promote my friends' books and stuff and be like, oh I'll read this great one. But um but my reality right now is that the the word of God brings life and it's this well that I can go to and get refreshed and, and built up. And so um so I try to never read anything other than scripture. And I know that sounds so silly. But um, but I just can, I can tend toward um, uh, comparison or, um, or fear I'm not measuring up or any of that when I read any sort of like resources that have any kind of self-help bent, even if it's like a this God help me spiritual event, um, and I've written one of those books. So, so <laughs> <laughs> doing a terrible job promoting my book, but um, <laughs> but the reality is for me, um, you know any any of those resources, if I'm not in the right headspace, can actually make me feel like I need to do more. Um, where oh, yeah. where the Word of God actually helps me feel adopted, beloved, uh, treasured enough and energized and, um, and ready to take on the world. Right. And, um, and it, and it reminds me that God is with me and that there's nothing I can do to separate myself from his love and his power and his grace and his favor. And, and so, um, so yeah, that's been kind of the the best life giving thing for me in this season. It's just to only fill my mind with scripture, to only fill my mind with what's good, And and I say that also with the exception of that being that I watch an obscene amount of HGTV. So basically, I only fill my mind with scripture and (laughs) and HGTV and and House Hunters International. (laughs) Oh my gosh! There you go. (laughs) That's awesome. That's my vice. That's my thing. I like turn off my brain at the end of every. Some women drink a glass of wine. I watch three episodes of House Hunters International and pass out. (laughs) that's fun
0: yeah I don't we don't have cable but when I'm on an airplane that's what I look for
1: (laughs) we just got this sling tv and it is amazing so we don't have cable either it's like the regular it's like yeah, it's, it's amazing. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's called Sling TV and it's like nine ninety nine a month or $20 a month or something. What? And it has all those channels. It has like the History Channel and HGTV and, um, and like MTV, which I also like Catfish. I just recently discovered the show Catfish. Have you heard of this? No. Oh, it's wonderful. Like people like meet these people on the internet and fall in love with them. But then it turns out it's never the person they thought. It's oh my god! I love it. I'm I'm obsessed right now.
0: Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's awesome.
1: So the word of God and catfish.
0: Okay. <laughs> so says Holly Christine Hayes.
1: <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Well, I didn't want to miss out on um, letting you talk about the Sanctuary Project jewelry and yeah. the uh, discount code that you're offering uh, the listeners of the
1: podcast. So can you go into that a bit? Yeah, so um, so we have a jewelry line. It's all inspired by the word sanctuary. So all of our pieces um, are meant to evoke a feeling of sanctuary. We have a lot of marble pieces that are meant mm. to mimic the marble pillars of some of the old cathedrals in Europe. Um, we have, uh, yeah, we have a candle line as well, um, with four different scents that all are meant to evoke the feeling of sanctuary. And then we have, um, branch pieces. We talked about that, that scripture with the branch. And, and so we've incorporated that into a lot of our designs as well to give that feeling of a nature sanctuary. Um, so we're offering a 30% off to your listeners with the code dreamers. Um, and, uh, we'll probably put a link to that, I assume, and, in the posts and, and in the podcast notes. And, um, and I'd love to hear from you guys um, follow us on Instagram and uh, you can follow sanctuary project at sanctuary underscore project and, um, and me at, at Holly Christine Hayes. And could we do like a fun giveaway or something? Can we give away a branch necklace to one of your listeners? Yes. Okay. That'd love be great. That. Let's do that. And then, oh, and my book, we can throw my book in there too. Even though I told you all to only read the Bible we can throw in one (laughs) one of my books. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Okay. We will, um, figure out, uh, Instagram posts on that and do the giveaway there. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite, uh, jewelry
1: piece? Cause I think I'm picking mine out. Oh my gosh. It depends right now. I'm loving the statement marble ring. I wear that every day. Um, Mm. and then I'm also loving the marble pillar necklace, the, um, it's a new one from the fall line both of those are new pieces from the from the fall line so those are my two favorites right now I love the marble stuff it's great it goes with every outfit because it's so neutral it's like that white Mm -hmm. and gray um so I love it because it's it really can be worn with anything and it's just that pop and I get so many compliments which is really like it it's it's the greatest feeling ever to be out in public and have someone say, mm-hmm. I love your earrings and I'm like, oh, yes. they're mine And they're like, Yeah, <laughs> we see that, you're wearing them. Right. And I'm like, No, 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 they're my company, it's yours, our it's <laughs> Support oh, girls awesome. coming out of traffic environments and addiction. So oh yeah, I love it.
0: Well, and they're unique too. Like I don't know that I've seen a lot of marble yeah, jewelry. It's
1: funny, the way that all came about too. I was my husband and I were shopping for countertops and uh-huh. um, and I was like, gosh, you know, I love this marble look, the Carrera marble look and I was thinking, it's everywhere right now. You know, you see it in so much home decor and and laptop covers and phone cases yeah. Yeah. and And I thought, why does no one, why is no one making marble jewelry? How come no one's made a jewelry line with marble? And, um, and so that, that moment actually happened a, about a year before I started Sanctuary Project, and I um, and I still hadn't seen really anyone um, doing any marble jewelry, and and really thought, um, you know, this is an opportunity. When when the Lord downloaded the vision for Sanctuary Project to me, I was like, oh, I can do that marble jewelry line I've been, oh, I've been dreaming of. So, um, and then He's so creative; the Holy Spirit's so much more creative than I am. Um, it was Him that actually showed me how. Uh, how it fit into uh, how it how it mimicked a sanctuary, right? And um, mm. and it's funny, like even trying to be a jewelry designer. I've never been a designer, but I'll just sit in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit what what He envisions, and um, and He'll show me the most beautiful, creative things that I would never have thought of. And so it's really neat leaning into leaning into God, even trusting Him for things like design, which we wouldn't necessarily think of.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. But he
1: created a pretty beautiful world. So he's
0: he's, oh my. A, he's yes. quite a
1: designer. <laughs>
0: For real, he's the designer. He's the
1: top designer. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, Holly, this has been so fun. Yes, it Thank has. you. I love
1: talking with you. We'll have to stay in touch.
0: I would love that. I absolutely would love that. Um, before you go, I have one more question. And um, it's this, that you know, we talked about earlier, um, maybe even before I hit record, that God uses the dreams he puts on our hearts to Mm. do something within us. Mm. And so I'd just love to have you close out with this um, thought of like, what is it that has changed about you since you said yes to this dream?
1: That's really good. You know, I think there's this part of me that's always felt like, I'm a failure, um, you know, and even in small ways, and even since coming to Christ, I, um, because of my young life, because of of so many failures, dropping out of high school, and and you know, uh, years of addiction and um, and missed opportunities, and and then you know, um, failing failing as a prostitute. And, failing at being trafficked. And um, and so I think there was this message, this lie that the enemy had been whispering to me kind of my whole life of like, you're a failure, you can't do anything. And and one of the most beautiful things about this season has been God whispering right back at the enemy, watch me, watch me use her. Um, and And me getting to be a witness to God actually um, creating something successful through me and not that I've done it in any way, but the, but getting to, to sit in a new identity that isn't failure in um, watching a dream that he birthed to succeed has been one of the greatest honors and, and has redeemed so much, you know, to see, to see my life and my past and, and my mistakes and failures redeemed and built into this beautiful thing that's now a thriving organization and a thriving business. Um, It's just, it's, it literally is that making beauty from ashes. And, um, and so in the same way that I'm physically seeing that happen, I'm, I'm feeling that happen in my heart and really feeling that uh, transformation in me of, I am no longer ashes. I am part of something beautiful and I have been rebuilt. And Isaiah 61 talks about the oaks of righteousness. And I felt like the Lord really showed me that I am I have been rebuilt into one of the oaks of righteousness and um and all of that's kind of happened through the fulfillment of this dream so it's been a beautiful beautiful season
0: if you have ever struggled to discern a dream from a calling this was the episode for you Holly asked me again after we stopped recording if she was too negative in her advice to count the cost and really discern whether a dream is something you're called to. And I'll be honest, I don't think she was. It did hit home for me, um, the weightiness of this whole endeavor of God-shaped dreams. And it actually resonated with something I've been wrestling with myself. And that's the question, in this season of life, do I really have the bandwidth to do all that I'm dreaming about because there is a great cost. There are the hours away from my kids, the time spent arranging childcare so that I can do the work, the lost hours of sleep more so than just because of having a baby and so much more. Um, and if you can't tell, the baby is right here. <laughs> um, but I can't answer this question for you about your dream or calling, but I do think Holly posed some very important questions to consider before you devote a season of your life to something you're dreaming about. This leads right into my takeaways from talking with her, starting with takeaway number one, that it is no joke running a business, a ministry, a nonprofit, writing a book, or doing any of the things rolling around in your head or heart that you could do with this one life that God has given you. So there is great value in looking realistically at your season of life. Examine all those little details, pray, ask the spirit who lives within you, is this the season? Is this the time for me to do this? And is this the calling upon my life? Or is this just a part of what you want me to be considering, dreaming, being aware of as things and opportunities might come your way? So takeaway number two, that no one can do this alone that we have to find help, that it's important to surround yourself with people who are better than you at the things that you don't do great at. And that's really hard to do because often I feel so insignificant and dumb when there's smarter people around, but do it anyway. And I love what Holly also said about, you know, maybe there's just a piece of something that's already out there that someone else is already doing that you would be excellent at contributing to. So consider all the different avenues that you might partner with somebody else to pursue your calling, your dream. And then finally takeaway number three, this balance of pursuing the aspect of your dream that you're good at. And the first thing you have to know is what you're good at and then give the rest away. Now, easier said than done, because if you're like me, you might be all solo in this little endeavor, except for, of course, I've hired my amazing editor to edit the podcast, um, because I know I wouldn't get it done otherwise. But as you give the rest away, you um, also, she talked about this, you also have to put aside your own strengths and not rely solely on those things to get you by, because the reality is we have got to be abiding in Christ instead of trying to do it all by ourselves. And she used the terms um, staying watered and rooted. And I love that imagery in that whole conversation about being the fruit tree and bearing the fruit you were created to bear and not somebody else's fruit. So there was so much good stuff mixed in all that. Um, I may have to listen to it again to get some more notes down on it. But I hope that there was something in there for you. Um, A takeaway that you can take to the Lord and pray about and just ask him to um, give you the um, insight, the wisdom that you need to know how to step forward. Um, I also just want to say thank you for being here today, for spending your moments with me and with Holly, and I bet you know another woman that needs to hear a message like this today. Um, You maybe have a friend or a sister in Christ who is struggling to figure out her dream, um, struggling to get started, battling the fear that the enemy throws her way, and you already know I don't have a marketing department. I don't have anybody... Um, on the sidelines, writing Instagram posts or Facebook ads. So, hey, can you be my marketing department today and share this with the friend who needs to hear it? Post it on your Instagram stories, somewhere in your feed, maybe on Snapchat. I never got into Snapchat. But if you're into Snapchat, (laughs) get it out there and let your friends, your sisters in Christ, hear these messages in their earbuds as well. And also, in case you are new about here, it's possible that you've never heard me talk about how this whole podcast happens. I already mentioned Jonathan Klassen, who's my editor, who literally, if he wasn't helping me, um, you might have heard five episodes in two years instead of a hundred. Well. Maybe you haven't heard a hundred, but there's a hundred out there for you. So thank you, Jonathan. And I also want to thank my patrons, every single patron of the podcast who gives just a little bit from your monthly paycheck to support my work. I'm so grateful for you. It was only a year ago in January of 2018 that I launched my Patreon page, which if you've never heard of Patreon, it's this super cool way that creatives can get paid for their work by the people who consume their content. Yes, what do you think, Colette? <laughs> but it was a little terrifying to step out and launch that. What if nobody saw it? What if nobody wanted to contribute? But the reality is, people did. And it's been a sweet reminder each month. And I'm so grateful to each patron. And you can jump in on the fun as well. Giving levels start at $2 a month and go up to 25 You can find more information at patreon.com slash devoteddreamerspodcast and learn more about what the funds do for me and the show. But as an example, patrons of the show in the past have gotten early access to episodes of the podcast and promotion-free social media images with guest quotes that you can use wherever and however you like. Um, I'm also starting to share some products and services via my website store, and patrons of the show can expect to get discounts a couple times a year on those. So go get started by checking out my welcome video at patreon.com slash podcast. And did you know more than 60 listeners have left a review on iTunes? That's awesome. But if you haven't done so yet, you can still do that at any time by clicking on ratings and reviews in your podcast app and share your thoughts about the show. Here's one from Dave Leist entitled Merit is the Real Deal. I love that title. (laughs) He says, he, I think Dave is a he. um, There are so many nuggets of truth on this podcast. Such an encouragement to hear the way that people are reframing success and struggling through fears to pursue their dreams. Highly recommend. Sweet words of encouragement from you, Dave. Thanks so much. And you know, it just takes a few seconds to leave a review of the podcast. So again, go to iTunes, click ratings and reviews and share your thoughts today you might even get your review read on the show want to connect with the community of devoted dreamers join us over on facebook in the devoted dreamers insiders group there's a couple little questions to respond to just so i can learn more about you i'll then accept your request and you can join the group and get to know some of the other ladies that are joining in on the conversation and listening to the podcast each week You will find the show notes for episode 106 at meritonsa.com slash podcast slash 106. And there you also can connect with Holly, discover more about the Sanctuary Project, where you can see all of the beautiful products that give survivors hope and a real job. And you'll find links to the giveaway that Holly mentioned as well, her book and the Branch Necklace. That's it for today, my friends. Colette and I are going to go find something else to enjoy our afternoon on. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And wherever you are with your God-shaped dreams, may you have the courage to take one step toward their realization today. I'll see you next week.